Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there. Good evening and welcome to this Ibrox for your Sunday session podcast. My name is Scott Patterson. If you're joining us across our social media circles, whether it be YouTube or Twitter or Facebook tonight. Obviously, we thank you for, for taking that time out to come and join us. Big night day, rather, today for the football club. Lots to discuss as the next hour or so progresses. Um, and three of our veteran podders join us. Um, Cammy joins us. Hi, Scott. How are you? Very good. Uh, looking forward to getting this therapy session over and done with. <laughs> and Ross joins us back again. Hi, Ross. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm surprised Scott described himself there as very good. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. I'm, yeah, I'm getting by at the moment, but yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to to get that therapy session out of the way like Scott is. And Adam Robertson takes the third and final cheer. Hi, Adam. How are you? Yeah, okay. Thanks, Scott. Obviously not the result that we were after. Kind of makes the final five games. You're just desperate to get them over, so... Yeah, lots to discuss, I reckon. I suppose it was easy planning the pod a little bit. There was that much to talk about, I suppose. Do you know that way? So we usually meticulously do the agenda, as you guys I know will know. Um, There's no agenda tonight. The the, the plan is completely... And as a planner stroke scheduler in my day job, that was just a great laugh because I do too much of that Monday to Friday anyway. So I wasn't really interested in doing it tonight, but more so today, um, as the afternoon went on, I, I found it really hard to try and pick um, bits and pieces to discuss tonight. So we will speak about the game and um, how it went. I think importantly we will speak about what it means for some of the players involved today, what it means for Michael Beale in the summer um, and I don't think Ross has a very interesting opinion on this which we'll hear as the, as the pod goes on. I don't think that um, the manager's future should be up for discussion at all. But I think the summer now becomes extremely important for whatever he is looking to do, um, say, this time next season, assuming he's still there. Um, Cammy, I'll, I'll come at you first. It's always difficult going into these games at Hamden, I think, against Celtic, because we know that 
nine times out of ten, whoever wins this game will go into the final and win it. And I don't think there's any doubt now that Celtic are staring down the barrel of a, a treble. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, one of the big things we had last week was obviously with Goldson and Kent missing. There was a lot of sort of discussion over if Goldson never made it, would Suter start? Everyone assumed he did, but if Goldson was fit, would Suter have fitted into that position? And Davies would maybe find himself on the bench today. Were you a wee bit surprised to see him go with Goldson and Davies as that centre half pairing? Considering and listen for what as well for anyone in the comments, I'm quite happy to to go with a debate on this. I thought Ben Davies had a relatively decent game today. I didn't think he was particularly poor. He was not outstanding, but I, I thought he played okay. Um, Scott, were you surprised that Davies and Goldson started? No, to be honest, that was the, the team that I expected to play. Um, that That's what I, what I thought if everybody was available. So I wasn't surprised uh, Davies has had a, a ropey three or four games, but I, th- I thought it nailed on that that's what he would what he would revert back to. I've I've bored you guys with I'd, I'd prefer a right and left balance. I just think that it's just just personal preference to be honest with you. Um, so that wasn't a that wasn't a surprise, and it, it, I don't think it had a major influence in the in the outcome of the game to be honest. And listen, it, I think it has been sort of I think it's found its way on Twitter tonight. There is a suggestion that. Davies may indeed be one of the casualties in the summer. Um, he won't be alone. I think that that's quite obvious. I believe Michael Beale said something um, post-match that it's going to be a, a huge change in the summer from a, a footballing perspective, something that we probably have not seen for, for a long time, Ross. Um, the other big decision that, that Beale went with this weekend was, um, was bringing back um, Ryan Kent, someone who he obviously trusts implicitly. We all know that they've got this sort of relationship that um, goes back to their days at, at Liverpool, which we get, we understand. But I, again, and I'm a stickler for saying that players at Rangers need to perform in big games. If they don't do it, they've got a problem. Kent, again today, just never done it, did he? Yeah, I, I don't think it was a surprise to see Ryan Kent come back into the lineup today. I think if he's available, he's going to play for, for any manager at Rangers, to be honest with you. He is one of our you know, better technical players, especially in, in days when he shows it. He doesn't do that enough, unfortunately. I'm, I've been on this podcast a lot over the past probably six months defending Ryan Kent. Uh, I tried to defend him when Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was in. I didn't I didn't feel the system suited him. And I feel he was really struggling. He it was quite rigid. He wasn't able to express himself. Michael Beale came in. We've seen a bit of a rejuvenation for Ryan Kent. Started to see a wee bit more of what he can offer in terms of on the ball, beating men, Look to be an influence in the final third a lot more. But over the past month again, we've just seen that form completely drop. Now, it might be because of the contract situation that he's got at the club. He's listen, he's not, he's clearly not committed to Rangers. He's not signed a contract, right? That doesn't mean he's completely angling to go out the door either, but he's not signed a contract, right? So, anyway, I, usually I would defend him. I cannot defend Ryan Kent today. I thought he was abysmal. Genuinely, and that's probably the first time I think anyone's heard me be really critical of Ryan Kent, but I just thought he was awful. And I thought it really summed him up today when he tried to take on Maeda as the last man and Maeda, he nicks the ball off him. And if it's a better if it's a better touch, as you say, he's, he's through on goal when I'm on with Al McGregor. I just thought all round abysmal. No confidence, not willing to take on his man, not willing to take risks and... I think it's just it's the end now for Ryan Kent. I, I've I've been one of the people that wanted to keep hold of him, 
Um, I worry in terms of bringing in a player with the same kind of technical ability as Ryan Kent. I don't think that's an outlandish thing to say, but, you know, going on the performances of especially the last two old firms, he's not worth keeping around in this form. It's time to let him go. And I just thought today was just really, really poor. I I could probably be a lot harsher, but I'll probably get us taken off air here. I just <laughs> thought... That is that is a that's the Ryan Kent that I don't want at Rangers anymore. It's time for him to move on, and I think he's played himself. You know, I, I, he's got himself a move really with that performance today because I just don't see Michael Beal pushing the board to keep this guy here either. So, yeah, all round terrible day for Ryan Kent. Adam, we were speaking before we started, and one of the things that I think we everyone largely agrees on is is these guys sort of. Kent and, and Morelos have clearly signed to go somewhere else in the summer because their performances the last couple of weeks have not warranted a scout of a football club rocking up to Ibrox and going, you know that? See the wee guy number 20 that's played for you? He looks really good. See a 14 that's playing the left wing and can play right across? He looks really good. We'll offer him a contract. Ian Mitchell jumps into the chat. I think that's our Ian Mitchell. Bill gave his boy a chance to redeem himself and go out to Albany, let him down badly. He really has done that today. But it's not just today. I don't think Kent's been particularly good since Bill has arrived, despite the small sound bites that we've got for the manager about how they know each other so well. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. And to kind of echo what Ian said there slightly, my brother actually texted me before the game and said, you know, the only thing he could maybe cling on to was for Kent and Morellis. Could this be a sort of last dance situation? You know, yeah. become a bit of a cliche over the last couple of years, but, you know, a real chance to go out in what is going to be your last. I know all, all old firms are meaningful, but let's face it, the domestic one, depending on the league situation, is effectively a dead rubber in terms of what's at stake. But, yeah, I'm with you, Scott. If I was, you know, a Premier League club or anyone from a club in any of the top five European leagues in the top half of those tables watching... We were speaking about Ryan Kent specifically, but him or Alfredo Morelos, there was nothing there to endear me to to sign them. Absolutely nothing. Not even a, a work rate. And, you know, I think it says it all that I was at the point where, and we'll come on to Cantwell to try and scrape something positive out of this, yeah. but, you know, you should never be singling players out because they're given 100%. For me, that should never be a compliment to a player, but it was for Cantwell today because that was where the bar was. The fact that he was just looked committed and given 100%, was better than some of his teammates. That should never, ever be the case. I, I've never got that. It's always something that I kind of find a bit of a bugbear when you get to a point where you're praising your players just for putting in the effort. It suggests a much wider problem that half of them aren't. So, yeah, listen, as for what comes for Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos, that's down to them individually. They've both contributed and, and given us some some decent times, but it's sad, really, as, as to where we've ended up. And I think... The club needs to take a long, hard look as well because they should have been sold. You know, two years ago they would have fetched collectively thirty million, and who could that have been reinvested in? And I appreciate what you're saying, Ross. That can Rangers find another player with Kent's technical ability, and that perhaps might be hard now. If we'd sold him for fifteen million pounds, we could have found a player that's as good as Ryan Kent. You know, no disrespect to him, but you know he's not a world beater in that sense. But we could have found someone just as good as him if he'd been sold and. That, for me, you know, those two players, it, it really just points to a much wider issue, both with the players themselves and the way they've performed over these last three months, but also to the club for not realising and capitalising on them when they had such value. They're now going to go for free after, let's face it, pretty much a year of mediocrity. 
Just something I'd like to pick up on there, Scott. Is all right. Just in terms of Adam's point there, it was it was a good one regarding selling the two players. This is a this is a problem for Rangers they have now, and it's something we've seen the last couple of years. I think the club are willing to take risks in the transfer market when when it's to bring players in, but I don't think the club are willing to take risks in selling players, right? And if you're getting offers of ten plus million for Ryan Kent, fifteen million for Alfredo Morelos, nine million for Glenn Kamara, right? These guys should be sold. It's as simple as that. You're you're selling them for more than you brought them in for. And of course, it's a risk because you're losing a good player. But that's all part of the model. That's what Rangers are trying to strive towards. You're trying to take risks in the transfer market. You're trying to speculate, to accumulate. You're trying to build up wealth and put it back into the club. And we haven't done that. They're not. We, we don't take any risks. And what happens is the players stay here too long and they get stale. And, and it's the problem we've got at the moment is there's far too many that's stale. You look at every single club across across Europe, you'll have players in each squad that it's got stale. They've stayed at a club for too long. But sometimes you get you get through it. It's not noticeable. It's one or two. We've got five, six, seven, eight players in that mm. squad. First team regulars or starting regulars that have been here for far too long. And we've decided not to move them on for one reason or another. When that comes to previous managers not being willing to depart with them, with the board not being willing to take bids that they feel are you know undervaluing the player. We've kept hold of players for too long, and that's why we're in the position we are right now. Cammy, I want to come to you on something because Ross really a really fair point there. I don't want to drift too far away. Well, I probably do want to drift as far away from the game as I possibly can. <laughs> but, um, I mean, do you think the support would it would accept accepting a big bid for a player who has had a cracking year or so beforehand, just as you're maybe going into Champions League qualifiers, for example. So, say for example, I mean, we go back to um, after 55, do you know what I mean? And we all go back to 55 and that's just the way of it. With a huge summer, huge season for the club. Everyone knows all about it. We do need to see past it in the same way we need to see past Sevilla as some sort of marker. Indeed, for some of the players that are still playing for us now, I have to say. Um, but I think you have the situation where we, we knew that some of the stock for these guys was high after 55. Your Glenn Kamaras, your Morelos, your, your Kent's. But knowing that the Champions League qualifiers were coming so soon, would it have made sense to send to sell these guys then? And would the support have accepted that knowing that the Champions League was effectively a pot of gold to come just around the corner? I think we have to accept, and I think Ross talks about the model. I think yeah, Calvin Bassey, we have we sold Calvin Bassey at the right time after an unbelievable six month run of forum. So Borna Barisic, Glenn Kamara, at the time, 55, peak peak selling value, you know, and I think you have to, as a support uh, and as a club, I think we have to accept that you sometimes have to just make the, make the right decision at the time when that's, the, these guys are at the, the, the peak of their, peak of their powers, but the ship has sailed now with regard to that, um, and I think, the, the mis- we go back to that summer. Gerard wanted to keep that that group together. Somebody potentially should have been stronger at, at boardroom level and said, "No, we've, we've got offers on the table. If you're wanting to refresh and bring in Joey Veerman or or whoever it was, Scott Olsen, the other ones that were linked that summer, then that would have that that you know I'm not saying spend all the money." But I think you have to just sell at the right time. And, you know, we have, we've just went back uh, since then. Um, 
Scott, but I think I would have accepted it. Um, it's you know, but we we can't change what's what's in the past, unfortunately. Yeah, you you know, I, I have to. It's a it's a progression type thing, isn't it? I I think you almost need to understand that we can't we can't stop if you like. You know what I mean? Without using a popular term. Um, we have to keep on moving, and it does indeed mean that if some of these guys are playing out of their skin and there's the opportunity to move them on for decent cash, we have to accept the opportunity. And I don't want it to get into a debate about whether it was a, a Ross Wilson sort of not ticking a box to say I sell him or anything like that. I think that's a separate discussion and probably something we'll do in a pod during the summer, to be perfectly honest with you. But I think it's something we need to, um, we certainly need to give a lot more consideration to moving forward. We can't find ourselves going into this situation again with players who and listen you don't want to say that it looks like they've down tools but there's one or two of them i think you can quite fairly question because their effort this season just hasn't been good enough um cammy i want to speak to you about the goal we've all played football at some sort of level my wee boy who is six in september is playing just now and he's told you stop when the referee blows his whistle um entirely horrifying moment just before half time when three other guys all look at each other and do nothing Listen, at, at the time at the game, I was just like, I've actually just watched that, and then yeah. I watched it back when when I when I got back, uh, and it looks even worse on second on second viewing, you know. So there's like multiple players at fault and at just stopping, and then Maida, I think it was, dug out a decent cross, and yota uh, uh, has got the run on Tav at the back post. Tav sleeping, he's not seen him coming in, and he scores. You know, but I think I've said on pods before. I don't think Rangers this season have lost goals where it's just an individual at fault. When Rangers lose goals, it's three, four, five players. It's a collective. We don't defend collectively well enough. Yeah. Um, and that goal today, you know, I mean, it was a low quality game, and 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 mistakes have cost us. Um, that goal, you know, and I think the, the key to us getting anything today was winning, was scoring the first goal. And I must, I must confess, when we lost the first goal, I'm not saying I chucked it, but I thought it's going to take something uh, special or a mistake for us to get back into it. Ross, the goal was really, it was a, as I say, the the most basicest of basic errors from not just one, and you know, I mean, Cammy's absolutely right. I, I think we have seen. Um, a lot of sort of instances this season where, as opposed to it being individual error that has let us down, it's been a collection of errors or an area um, where two guys have switched off. I found it really incredible. First of all, I found it incredible that Raskin doesn't just dink in and take the ball, considering we know how aggressive and how he's how um, offensive he is to, to get in control of the ball. I found it really surprising that he never went for it. Um, Barisic as well doesn't go for it. I, I've said on this podcast before. I think for as long as you have two fullbacks that seem to have an inability to stop crosses, we're always going to have a problem. And again, a sort of cross to the left, a cross to the right, and you know what I mean. I, I think Cammy's absolutely right. I think Tav was sleeping, and I know I appreciate there was obviously a bit of um, regurgitation because no one expected Raskin and Lundstrom, I think it was, and Barisic not to go and maintain possession of the ball but it was just it was just a catalogue of errors and such a huge I mean 
is like anything else. I spoke a couple of weeks ago when Morelos gets his goal called off at Celtic Park. Um, big decisions at big times in big games completely influence what happens thereafter. And for that to happen so close to half time was a real disaster for us because I thought we were actually playing okay. I was quite happy with how we started the game and I felt the first half was relatively even, Stephen. Then doing that just before half time kills us. Yeah, I have to agree with you in terms of assessment of the first half. I didn't think there was a lot between the two teams. I think you've seen I think you've seen Celtic's style of play more than ours, I suppose. Um, they started to get a wee bit more control of the game, but I thought overall it was pretty even. I think that situation there is I can't defend any of them involved. There's obviously Barisic, there's Ryan Kent, there's Raskan. None of them take ownership of the situation. It's just one of those situations where those balls broke and someone just has to go and clear it. It doesn't you can you can argue with each other after and you can throw hands and say, What are you doing there? But someone just has to go, right, I'm I'll just get rid of it right now and we'll just deal with it after. None of them are willing to do it. Um in terms of what happens after that, I have to say it's a really good cross from Maeda. He puts it into the back post and he thinks someone will be there. But yeah, I have to agree. I watched the goal back. Tavernier's sleeping. He just does not realise that Yota's peeling off him. Yeah, He gets in front of him. And I can understand maybe he's expecting that his, his defence are going to clear it on the other side of the box. But unfortunately, once that you know is not materialised, you have to be switched on. And he lets he lets Yota get in front of him. He's not going to miss from that range, is he? He's like in the six-yard box. So yeah, just a really, really poor goal. I think I tweeted this earlier. That's the last three goals now. You know, it's individual errors or a group or a group of you know individuals having an error, right? Yeah, we're we can't continue to do this in old firm games when the, the pressure's on. This is this this looks like a mentality thing for me. These guys are switching off in key situations within games, and Celtic at the moment are a team playing with a lot of confidence, and they are going to latch onto anything like that. They're going to they're going to be all over it. That's the way they play. They're front foot. They're very aggressive. And they've, and they've taken the chance when they've given them it. We need to, that these individual errors have to stop. I have to say, there's some things I suppose you can criticise Michael Wheel for, for the build-up, the way he talks sometimes, but I find it difficult to criticise the manager for things like this. What is he supposed to do? He's, yeah. He sets the team up in a, with a tactical plan, a tactical approach. Really, overall, I think today, it, it pretty much done the job, to be honest with you. I know that sounds a bit ridiculous because we lost the game, right? But overall, I think Rangers' tactical approach was okay today. But an individual error, there's nothing he can do about that. And if players then don't react to it after, yeah, you're you're really, really struggling. And, and we're not going to be able to topple Celtic with individual errors like that. They need to be cut out completely. Now, if that means that, again, we come back to the whole refresh and bringing guys in to get rid of these individual errors in terms of the mentality of this squad, then it has to be done. Simple. So I've seen his quotes after the game around, it'll be the biggest rebuild in years. Well, he really needs to stick to that now. Because if he doesn't do that this summer, the pressure is going to be immense for the first kick of that ball next season. He is going to be under the cosh from the word go. So yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of pressure on Michael Beal now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Adam, one of the... Do you know what I mean? James Tavernier is, is someone who pops up on this podcast a lot. Um, and indeed, we've taken a bit of a doing um, back and forward for, for our, our sort of opinions, which we're quite welcome to have um, 
on on James Tavernier. Um, I didn't think he played particularly badly today. Um, it does look like that's another season as a Rangers captain that he's going to sort of end with nothing. Um, and people will begin to ask questions over whether it is something we should look to consider. I don't know whether it's 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 changing the captain. I don't think James Tavernier is particularly looking to to leave Rangers. I certainly don't think that Michael Beale is is would be looking to move him on. But from my perspective, and um, I know that Cami will, will back me up on this. We kind of grew up, if you like, looking at mm-hmm. successful Rangers captains with medals falling out their pockets more often than not. Um, and sadly, now the, the argument isn't that James Tavernier doesn't deserve to have medals. That's not the argument. But he is overseeing a, a period where we haven't been particularly successful, with the exception of 55 in the Scottish Cup last season. Um, what, what's your take on, on James Tavernier? And there will be questions on this, I think, before now and then the season. Yeah, no, listen, Scott, there's quite rightly questions. And I, I appreciate that the, the game today is fresh in everyone's mind and the error that not just he, but five, four or five other players made in, in that goal, obviously losing Jot at the back post. Listen, I have always, and I will stick to the line of backing James Tavernier on this podcast. I've done it before because time and time and time and time again, he has bailed that side out of awful results. You know, I mean, you go back to the first day of that season and Rangers are 1-0 down at Livingston. Who bails them out? It's him. And I think from a performance point of view, He's not immune from criticism by any stretch of the imagination, but any time that Rangers are losing and I see them down 1-0, whether it's to Celtic or to anyone else, and you know if I'm not watching the game and my phone notification goes off, half the time I just expect that it's him that scored a free kick or yeah. just driven them forward. You know, I, I, I do find it hard to, to criticise him on that front. I appreciate what you guys are saying. And listen, even you know myself growing up, obviously, p- period that kind of first... Well, Walter Smith's second stint at the club is the kind of first real side that I remember and that was a period of good success and, and yet does he change the captain's armband who does he give it to I don't know if doing that necessarily is that a marker is it going to make that much of a difference when the squad needs this much of an overhaul Yeah. in terms of his own position at the club listen no player is unsellable the guy obviously seems quite content at Rangers and I wouldn't say that he's won I mean I actually pulled up before we started the pod, I went on to Transfer Market and just pulled up, you know, the full squad. And I was going through some of them where transfer fees weren't even entering my head. It was a case of just get them out the door because Absolutely. they need to be moved on. He was not on that list, you know, not in the same way that, for example, sorry to pick on one player, Kamar Rufus, for example, right, where I think yeah. we need to just move him on. Tavernier wasn't quite at that level of it's dead, need to get him at the club. So, yeah. I don't know, no player's unsellable. If, if if an offer came in that they wanted to take seriously, then obviously Rangers would have to do that. I don't want to kind of speculate on values and things because I think the transfer market's just so crazy half the time that it's hard to do that. Yeah, um, Yeah. listen, maybe I'm a bit too loyal. You know, I, I have defended him quite a lot and, and I, he has been, you know, I, I find it difficult. I really do because I really like him. And I, he's, as I say, I just, I'll think back to all these times that he's bailed Rangers out. Even at Parkhead earlier this season, I know he didn't win the game, but, you know, they're about to go in 1-0 down at half-time when he plucks a free kick in from 30 yards yeah, out. You know, absolutely. we shouldn't always be looking to the right-back to do that. I mean, I know he's the captain of Rangers, but it feels like it's him time and time again that we're digging out. And, you know, I know we've criticised, for example, John Lundstrom a lot this season, but, you know, why isn't he doing that? Why isn't he pulling them out of that? He's an experienced guy, you know. 
Goldson as well. Again, I didn't think they were particularly bad today, but my point is that I do think, and this comes with being a captain, but there are other senior players that need to step up and take responsibility as well. And I think if we're having that conversation about James Tavernier in terms of leadership, I think that's a wider question. It doesn't just sit with Tavernier. Yeah, listen, I, I think you're, there's a lot of things you've said that I, I quite agree with. I do think that he almost naturally stirs up a bit of debate because he's captain. And as Rangers supporters, you'll always look to your captain as um, an element of leader, whether it has been recently sort of Goff, Butcher, Barry Ferguson, etc. And I think James Tavernier probably through no fault of his own sort of arrives uh, uh, or as a captain that isn't really managing to win many medals just now. And I think it's more down to the players that are playing around him and their consistencies as much as anything else. Um, the best chance of the game, Cami, for us today falls to Fashion Sakala. Um, so anyone who, who follows us on a Sunday night will know exactly where I stand on, on Fashion Sakala. Um, and I cannot believe, and I, I, for what it's worth, I have seen some bits and pieces to say that he was offside today, and I've not seen that to confirm whether that's true or not. If you can jump into the comments to confirm that, then great. Um, Druzy Boy reckons that if he scores that today, we go on and win the game, fine margins, which the latter part of that statement I fully agree with, fine margins in all firm games, is absolutely vitally important, times of games, times when you score, etc. Um, how did they miss, Cammy? Again, at the at the game, I'm behind. I'm behind the goals quite high up, and he's just got to get it on target. You know, he's tried to put it in at the near post. All he has to do is just get the ball on the target, and it's and it's a goal. It's actually staggering that he's that's two two misses he's had against them in the last uh, the last two or three months. It's just. At big no times in games, uh, you know, and and that's that the, the, the in a game which was, you know, was wasn't the the greatest game uh, of football you've ever seen. They're the moments that, you know, we might have like that might have got us back on track one each, and then you you maybe kick on, and you know, we had the terri- the territorial advantage at that point, you know, but that that missed chance summed up Fashion Sakala. I mean, he had one later on in the game where he's cutting off the left-hand side and smashed it with his, his uh, right foot and it's went out for a throw-in. You know, so that is Fashion Sakala. Has, has, you know, we all talk about numbers and stuff like that, you know, but I thought he's, to be honest, I thought his performance second half was was diabolical, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, I thought Kent was diabolical first half and Sakala was uh, di- diabolical second half. You know, I mean, that's Peter Van Vossen levels of missed chances. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's the that's the reality of it, you know. It's just a, an absolute shocker. Yeah, listen, Ross, I want to come to you on the next point and it'll pro- this point, I, I think, will drive us away from the game today. Thank goodness. Um one of the things I think everyone largely agrees on is that I felt um, defensively and the centre of the park today, I thought we were okay. We've obviously had the glaring error where the three students have stood and watched at the ball and waited on each other to go and do something with it. But the big problem we had, without any question, is the offensive three. So your left winger, right winger, number nine, your nine and your two inverted chappies or whatever you want to call them, just didn't work. Hasn't worked for a long time now. How do we remedy that moving forward? 
recruitment, simple as that. We don't have the players, unfortunately, at the moment that, that can make the difference in the final third. I think I think what was really worrying today was we had quite a lot of opportunities in transition today. We were picking the ball off a of Celtic in good areas. We were playing through the lines pretty quick, through Raskin, through Lundstrom, through Cantwell. Cantwell was really good at actually carrying the ball forward today. But once we got to that final third, and that, and it came down to maybe Alfredo Morelos or Ryan Kent or Fashion Sakal in the second half, it was just all breaking down. There's just no decisiveness with that front three. And it's maybe going to going back to the last question, yes, Scott, but Fashion Sakal isn't good enough, right? Let's just let's just say it as it is. He's not good yeah. enough. He's not good enough to start for Rangers every single week. And I understand that there's a debate around, you know, he gets more numbers than Ryan Kent. That's fine. That's fair. But if this is a guy that we're relying on to go forward, we've got a really, really big problem. And I think the only reason why Fashion Zakala is viewed as highly with the support right now in terms of numbers is because we don't have anything else. You know, the, yeah. the, the guy that's supposed to be our talisman, Alfredo Morelos, completely chucked it at the beginning of this season. That's a guy that is just not interested at all. He doesn't want to be here anymore. Um, and his physical condition for a footballer is, is pretty poor, right? And then you've obviously got Ryan Kent, who is just completely out of form and looks like his get his head's gone com- completely as well. So it's just it's just that that final third we're lacking so much at the moment that we just cling on to any positivity that's there. That that is just the sad reality, I have to be honest. You know, even guys like think of Rabbi Matondo today, right? He comes on. I actually think the last two games he's came on Rabbi Matondo, he's looked all right. But a lot of Rangers fans have thought, wow, this like this guy looks great. You know, he's coming on, he's making an impact. He's not really doing anything. But we don't have anything else at the moment. We're really struggling yeah. in that area. So recruitment, simple as that. The, the club need to go uh, into the market this summer. They need to try and identify young, promising players, I think. But I think they're going to have to put down a sizable chunk of money on a number nine. We need a, a designated number nine. We, Alfredo Morelos is going to go. He's done. And I think we can argue that Antonio Cholak doesn't look like a striker that could probably start for Rangers every single game going through a season. So they need to go now. They need to find someone, put a sizable bit of money down. Unfortunately, that's what it takes to get a guy of quality in that position and hope for the best, to be honest, because what we have at the moment is not good enough. And the, that that decision-making today in the final third is just unforgivable. And the Sakala chance, I just have to say, again, you know, he had I had a very similar chance in the League Cup final and he fluffed it. These are the chances you must take in games like this, especially in a game today where I think overall we were okay in terms of possession, but we didn't yeah. really create great chances. Let's be honest, we didn't. And he's got the great chance. And a goal in that stage of the game, 15 minutes to go, completely changes it. The Absolutely. atmosphere changes, the momentum builds. You've seen that last year with the semi-final, right? He's got to grab that. And for me... We've seen it too many times now about Fashion Sakala. He doesn't take his chances when they're there and his decision-making is poor. And I think today Michael B will be watching that and going, I, I don't, this guy isn't, he's not He's not right for me. And that, that would not surprise me if he is now getting put into the bracket of guys that may move on this summer now because I just can't see the manager buying into Fashion Sakala as someone that is going to take Rangers forward and take them back to where they should be, in my opinion. Can I just add very quickly, Scott, if it's okay? I think today, and I will hold my hands up here, kind of Ross has almost summed up what was a wake-up call for me with Fashion Sakala. And listen, folk are welcome to say, I told you so, or how did you not see it before? I, I know that you, Scott, have said it for a while, but I've been on this podcast before and said that I think there's something there and perhaps there is. And, and maybe for me, that's, you know, 
my own error of judgment, I'll hold my hands up and say that he shouldn't be. But it, it's like Ross was saying, it, it sums it up really well to say that it's because I'm looking at him thinking, well, at least it's something. You know, at least he's got, you know, at least getting eight goals or whatever it is, and not big goals and big moments, but that today is sort of finished it for me with him. As I say, I just wanted to say that because I have defended him on this podcast before. I'm basically, he was kind of what Ross was saying about Ryan Kent earlier. I have been a bit like that with Fashion Sagala at times. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of trying to defend him and saying maybe what's oh, a run in the team or it's maybe this, that or the next thing. But that today for me finished any defensive amount I may have had off. So there'll be no um, there'll be no paints with fashion for you over the next couple. No, there'll be no poor fashion statement puns in the Ibrox chat anymore. If you want to be happy to, to hear us imagine. Listen, Before we move on as well, Scott, there was just something yeah. I wanted to pick out. You both spoke, I think we spoke about the mischance from Sakala, and maybe I'm really, really a bit harsh here, but I just need to bring this up. We spoke about the big mischance. We spoke about the one on the, the he left, he cuts in and he, he goes out for a throw-in. There was one on the left as well, but he cut inside and he ballooned it. I think it yeah. might have went out the stadium. Yeah. It was that far off. I was just, I could not believe what I was seeing, especially, and I'll hold my hands up here, guys. I wanted Fashion Sakala to come on in that second half. I was one of the people that were saying, we need to make a change. I think he's someone that can make an impact. Well, I got it completely wrong as well. I, <laughs> I really wish he had to come on the day because he just did not make the impact we wanted. I think, you know, I, I think we're at the stage, I think everyone loves like these. And Ross, you made the uh, really telling statement before we came on air, which I think is is um, is really, really important to, to sort of throw out, is that... For the first time in a long time, I think a lot of the Rangers' support are in agreement tonight over who can stay, should stay, and should not be given the opportunity to stay. Um, and I think we all know as, as support, I, I think we're man or lady-like enough to admit that we don't always agree on things. But I think for the first time in a long time, there's a lot of things that are striking a chord with us as a group and, and things do need to change in the summer. So Michael Beale's post-match stuff is... is really important because he will be held to that. If there is going to be wholesale changes and you're looking at maybe double figures out and double figures back in, great. Let's see them. We will be held to it. Um, Adam, before we came on, you spoke about um, Todd Cantwell, who I thought played okay today. Um, Mandy Thompson joined us on Facebook. I've left her hanging on screen for a wee while. She felt he was our best player today. Hard to disagree. Now, there wasn't loads of candidates, um, but again, I thought Cantwell stood up and I thought he played relatively well. Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought Cantwell put himself about um, and, and did all right. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, a spectacular performance, no, no. I wouldn't say. And I do think that part of what we were praising him for was that he was just putting himself about a bit, which should be the bare minimum. But sadly, a lot of players out there, certainly Kent and Morellis, weren't doing it. I suppose the only thing that we could perhaps take from it is that, you know, Michael Beale has come in and the two players that he signed, Raskin and Cantwell, have looked all right, you know. And you would like to hope that in big games like today, if you got more like-minded players around them, not just in terms of the clear qualities they have, but in terms of particularly from Cantwell, seems sort of, you know, very visibly sort of driven and, and passionate player at times. He seems quite fired up at times. Then hopefully that bodes well for, for future signings that, that Michael Beale makes. Um, and I think as well, it just points to, you know, like, I think part of it was Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos. And I know we keep picking on them, but they were the kind of two standouts today that we're going to talk about. You know, they've just naturally come to the end of their time at Rangers and they've let that stagnate for so long. Whereas Cantwell's come in and he was at a point in his career where, you know, he was at Norwich, he kind of been thrown around a few managers and 
I think Raskin as well, even at standardly aged, kind of been frozen out a bit. So they've come yeah. to range, they've been given a huge opportunity and they've seized it. That for Kenton Morellis is, is seems to have gone. So they need to get more players in the door like that that, you know, really see this as what it is and that is a huge opportunity. So yeah, listen, I, I don't know if I would like to use the word positive from today, but you know, at least Campwell showed something that hopefully bodes well if we can get players around him that are like minded. Cammy Reese Bell um, jumps in. Rangers need a rebuild. Simple as. Hopefully, we will pull some good signings because we need it. We've heard about um, Jack Butland. Kieran Dowell, of course, has been mentioned recently as well. There will be many more, I'm sure, um, between now and the, the end of the season. And the summer will be full of it, for want of a better term um, or, or expression. From the guys that started today in this in this tie. How many do you think will still be there at the start of the next season? And who are they? In the starting 11, I would yep. probably go Tav, Goldson, Raskin, Cantwell. Yeah, Tillman is, isn't contracted to Rangers at this point. So those four players are contracted to Rangers. So that is the four players that I... Uh, I think will uh, be there at the start of next season. I think I, I saw somebody in the comments there talking about agents being notified uh, to find a client's new clubs. Yeah. I think that conversation's probably already happened with... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With uh, with several players, uh, it's interesting. Michael Beal some weeks ago, in one of his uh, very informative uh, chats that he has, spoke about five or six. It's funny how it, it's in, it's almost increasing by the week. Sort of situation, you know. It's uh, the the idea of a a twenty five player turnaround, you know, in and out is that's like that, that's Dick Advocat summer. Level of uh, level of rebuild, you know. I mean, I think Tav and particularly Tav, I think has a lot of scar tissue. I think he has experienced a heck of a lot of uh, difficult moments against Celtic across the nearly eight years since he since he joined the club. But I think some there has to be some level of, uh, you know, I, th- I think Tav and Golson will will survive the will survive the call and. Cantwell and uh, Raskin have showed a, have showed enough promise to um, to to obviously you know move forward, but we have to be very very we have to have a really good hit rate this summer. You know, in in that uh, rebuild that's to come, we have to be very very lucky, stroke successful in who we bring in. Yeah, absolutely. The four that you say um, are the four that I would say. Others. Do you know what I, I'm? I'm kind of stuck in the middle a little bit with Tavin Goldson, and I like both. Do you know what I mean? Before we make it into some sort of Twitter debate over this is Ibrox said this, um, I do like both. Um, I'm, I'm big fans of both footballers. Um, 
But scar tissue is exactly the term I would use, and it has to be there with these guys. Listen, Chris, we appreciate the donation. Thank you very much. We agree Michael Beale should get the summer and get rid of the frauds and losers. Listen, it's, it's, it's hard to disagree with that. Ross, potentially we could be looking at renewing a, a goalkeeper, a left back, a centre-half, two more midfielders, two right and left wingers. That's before you get to the, the chaff that you need to fill up the squad. I suspect that there is... Some eyes looking on the B team to see if any of these guys are good enough to make a step up and be involved in that sort of first team level for next season. Not sure many are right now, to be perfectly honest with you. I would love to think they are, but I'm not in a place where I think we could dip into the B squad and and sort of draft these boys up a level. Um, the one I want to speak to you about, because I know you've got quite an important um, opinion on this, is Malik Tillman. I think, again, we seem to, and I appreciate you got injured today. I get that. I understand that. Um, Big game, did he perform? I actually thought Malik Tillman was okay today in that first half, to be honest with you. I, uh, if anyone listened to our preview on, on Friday, I actually didn't have Malik Tillman in my team for, for yeah. this game today. Uh, I would have went with Fashion Zakala, so there you go. That, that that shows that I definitely get that one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of Malik Tillman, listen, I thought he'd done quite well today, actually. Try, he, he won the ball quite a few times. Picked, uh, picked off Cal McGregor quite a few times, tracked back as much as he could, tried to win balls. He was okay in possession. There was a few times he had some nice turns in the centre of the park. I think that I think the problem with Malik Tillman at this moment is I'm not really sure what his best position is. I mean, I, I've went on about this quite a lot. You'll all be sick of me by now, but I see Malik Tillman as someone that should be as definitely as far forward as possible, whether that is a number nine himself or if he plays as a 10 that plays on the shoulder of the nine, right? That That's what I see his best work because I just don't, I'm not sure if he, he suits or his skill set suits playing in the centre of the park where it's very much one, two touch, get out and move it. He wants, he wants a lot of time in the ball and I'm just not sure it suits him there. Whereas he's clinical around the box in terms of he can beat a man, he can create space and he can create a chance for us. I think it's up in the air in terms of whether we sign Malik Tillman now. The the five million price tag is, I think I'm finding I'm finding it more difficult to argue now if I'm not picking him in my old firm eleven. You now that that that's it does seem ridiculous for me to say that the club should still be going out and signing this boy if, if we can't play him. But what I do always caveat that with, this with is he's only twenty, right? And I'm not expecting the guy in his first season of uh, first team football to be grabbing these games. Uh, you know, by the collar and, and driving this team through. I'm expecting other guys in that team to do that. I'm expecting Tavernier, Goldson, John Lundstrom. I'm expecting these guys to carry the team, not Malik Tillman. So I, I think I think I would still like the club to to invest the money in Malik Tillman. I think for anything, even if he did come in for a couple of years and he maybe didn't push onto the level, I think I'm pretty sure we'd get the money back, right? Because he does look a good, technically, you know, quality footballer. Yeah. Um, I'm finding that a wee bit more difficult going forward. But, you know, overall today, I thought he was fine. Honestly, I thought he was fine. I, I think we spoke about this before we came on the podcast today. I, I think the midfield defence, you know, that kind of area, they relatively get pass marks. I know there were some bad mistakes in there for individuals. I know that, you know, when they've lost, they've lost the game, it's very difficult to say that anyone did get pass marks. Or, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. But overall, I thought, the tactical approach was fine. I just thought up front today, that killed us. That was it. We weren't decisive enough. And I suppose you could maybe see Malik Tillman as maybe part of that because he drifts forward 
So yeah, it's up in the air to be honest, Scott. I've probably went round and round a bit there to try and defend him, but I think, <laughs> I think, I think there was enough for me from Malik Tillman today to suggest that he was okay. And I think there's definitely a player in there that I would like to see stay on at Rangers, definitely. So RFC seventy two, I think raises a really fair point, and and one that I think would be interesting to see. Tillman as a nine and Campbell playing off of him, um, and that's obviously something we've not seen yet. I I'm sure I saw it earlier on. I think it was. Um, Alex Donaldson that jumps in our chat that said that um, Tillman left today on crutches. Um, so considering there's sort of five games to go between now and then the season and indeed the end of his loan deal, um, I would suggest that that doesn't look like we will see. I'm assuming it's a rubbish injury, of course, but if it is the case, I would imagine that we may not see much more of it unless the deal has been done. I think one of the things that I think people are maybe losing sight of is whether Malik Tillman Fancy's going back and forward to Motherwell or running out to Edinburgh twice a season or gone up to Ross County um, twice a season. And I, I do think that it's something that people are potentially losing sight of a little bit because we know that there's a deal in place that we can hit the button on it. Um, and I, the the deal itself, I've had it explained to me, that it, it, the, the buyback arrangement is, is quite bizarre. I, I'm not even trying to explain it to you because I'm not entirely sure I understand myself. But... Um, Listen, I, I do think he would be buying a potentially a really, really good football. And I think we're, we're seeing him at the moment playing reasonably well. But I'll say it again, I've said it on here, we have a degree of regularity. We need our big players to perform in our big games. And the big games are the Celtic games and the games in Europe. Simple as that. And if they don't perform in them, and Ross, I think you're along that sort of line as well. The fact that you're not selecting to play in a Scottish Cup semi-final today would suggest that you're maybe coming around to that way of thinking as well. It'll be very interesting to see what Michael Beale does in the summer, Adam. Um, we know that he does have to improve throughout. The criticality for me is a couple of things. Firstly, where does the money come from? Is it available? Is he going to have it? Secondly, I do wonder, I get your opinion on this, um, the currently empty director of football role, do we go into the summer without having someone in position? If we do, how does that affect what we do? Yeah, so I did a sort of director of football special um, a couple of weeks back, basically. Um, and listen, if there's someone available to the role that Rangers feel is going to come in and help them sign the right players to kick on next season, and to push Celtic and to win trophies, because that is ultimately the aim of the club, then, yes, you would want someone to come in. I know that sounds like a really basic thing to say. My point well, is just that I wouldn't necessarily want to go out and be like, right, let's just get someone because the role needs filled. You obviously want it to be someone that's effective. And I think, you know, in clubs across Europe, you, you do see, particularly in modern football, decisions be rushed. Um, so in terms of the transfer market, there's just there's there's so much to do. I mean, you almost wonder from an admin point of view, like literally the sheer number of players that are going to have to go out and come in the door, like who, there's going to be the whole team of people to do that. So yeah, forgive me, Scott, I kind of forgot your, your original question there. I went on to the director of football thing, but. So really just how important it will be, find out how much money he gets. How much money do we think Michael Beale makes? Or do we think we need, not how much he makes, for goodness sake, how much he needs to to make the summer work and make that look more attractive going into the Champions League qualifiers, which come hot in the heels almost at the season end. And let's be honest, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it, you know, in terms of the amount of money that he's going to need, it's hard to 
pluck numbers out of the air and you can get good deals. You know, you can't just because someone's got a fancy price tag attached to them doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be outstanding. I mean, Calvin Bassey was signed for, was but it a free agent, Calvin Bassey? Or it was 250,000, I think. Right, so, and he ended, you know, so it is possible for that to happen. What I would say, Scott, is like in terms of looking at where they could get some money for players and, you know, it's not going to be crazy. I would suggest Barisic would still fetch a few million. I don't think he's had a terrible season. Not at his peak value, admittedly, and he's going into the last year of his contract, but you would like to think they would still get some money for him. Glenn Kamara, obviously, is another one who has checked out slightly, I think. But again, you know, there's a talented player in there, and I think clubs would still be willing to spend, again, nowhere near the peak value that we would like to have seen Glenn Kamara be sold for. But, you know, again, a few million there. People are throwing around sort of suggestions in the chat of 15 to 20 million, and I do think it probably will be around that figure. Um, it's it's hard to say because, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes you get folk on a bargain. Yeah. At the same time, because of the sheer level of change that is going to be needed, I do think there's going to be a couple of players in, sorry, a couple of positions where Rangers need to go out and almost just, just pay it. If, if they think that he's the right man, just pay it. Don't mess around. And I think we've seen that with the Raskin deal. I was on this podcast and we were talking about, you know, have Rangers overpaid or whatever but what I liked about that was Beal wanted his man and they paid it and that was it you know for the sake of saving how much money realistically you know he went out and got his man so that would be my kind of thoughts on that but yeah I think the 15 to 20 million range probably isn't far off Cali one of the things I'll, I'll probably end with I'm conscious of time five to nine so I won't keep you so much longer because you're probably as miserable as I am um, one of the remits I imagine when Michael Beal came up was to finish the season with a trophy. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Um, and considering one of these trophies was one that was in our hands from last season, he'll obviously be very disappointed tonight. It adds a, an increased level of pressure, I think, moving forward for the next six months. He's going to be under a lot of pressure between now and the end of the year, I think. 100%. Um, I mean, I, I'd spoke about prior to the, the match today and the in the group chat and I spoke to people at the, the game today how if you manage to get a win today you manage to beat them in a couple of weeks time the first league game in next season's Ibrox you know so you've, you've got an opportunity to basically you know build a wee bit of momentum that that opportunity has now has now gone um, the 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 big games, you know, I mean, what's that? Four old firm matches that he's been that he's been in charge. Celtic have not had to really play well in any of those four matches. That's a that's a that's a concern for me. Um, but I think we we just have to, and he will be as disappointed. I think he probably spoke about it getting a trophy by the end of the season. I think the League Cup would have been ideal, the earliest opportunity to lift the trophy, go back to Alex McLeish and guys like that that got the trophy uh, early doors and then managed to build a wee bit of momentum for the rest of the the, the rest of this, this season. But it's just about getting movement right. They have to, they're going to have to hit the ground running in the summer. You know, I mean, I think, to be honest with you, only from a personal point of view, the European uh, qualifiers, I'm, I don't really, I'm not saying I don't care about, but we have to start the domestic season next season with pretty much 
full marks until we play Celtic and then try to win the win the first Old Firm game because if you don't then you know how social media works and you know how the everything uh, everything sort of sort of goes but it's listen I want Michael Beal to be successful you know I've I, I don't want any I don't I want any Rangers manager to be success I want any Rangers manager to be successful but He's only been in the door six months, and I think the job that he's got this summer and the job that he came into, I think is, I think it's a bigger job than I think he actually thought. If that makes sense, I think yeah. he thought there was going to be change, but I don't think he thought the level of change. And I think you've seen that. I spoke about it earlier. Five or six players coming in. You know, it's now up to dub, almost at double figures. You know, only in a matter of a matter of a few weeks. You know, and it's. It's a huge, it's a huge ask, and the, the lack of a director of football. Who's who's doing that? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, Michael Beale's job is to put the, the team on the park and what have you. He, you know, he can't, he can't be doing player negotiation and all that sort of stuff. I, I, that does concern me about what's going on behind the scenes and the in the background. You know, but I've I've sort of rambled a wee bit there, Scott. But I think um, Michael Beale's under under pressure as any Rangers manager would be if you go through a season without beating your biggest rivals yeah absolutely no I think you're absolutely right and it's a lot of listen there's a lot there to unpack I sound like Tommy but that's exactly what he would say there is a lot there to unpack and I I, I do think that um, Michael Beale is, is staring into a really really important summer the most important that he would have been involved in as a coach stroke manager no two ways about it listen guys we'll wrap it at that um, I, I do appreciate you coming on, Ross. Good to see you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, I was about to say it's a pleasure, Scott, but I think I'll leave it at that tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I feel a wee bit better after that, I suppose. But yeah, thanks <laughs> for your time. Adam Robertson, always nice to have you and my friend. Well done. Yeah, thanks very much, Scott. Thanks to everyone in the comments as well. It was kind of good discussion after a pretty grim day. Indeed. And Cami, good to have you on as well after your rambling, which I'm glad you got that spelt properly. Aye, no, it's been uh, it has been quite therapeutic to be honest with you. You know, I'm I'm glad that I've had a few hours to sort of uh, try to digest everything uh, post match and what have you. You know, but um, we just have to keep on going because we're all Rangers supporters. We all want us to be successful. Indeed, absolutely right. Listen, if you've been watching us on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook tonight, we thank you for your time. We hope you've enjoyed the content. Please join Craig Dennett tomorrow for the Monday Night Podcast. He will be around from 6.30, I think. Don't forget, if you are following us on YouTube, leave a comment, like, and subscribe to everything we're doing. Put on the wee notification bell. So each time we release a, a, a podcast, you will get a wee notification, and you'll be more than welcome to join us. I am back next Sunday night, I think, all things being well. Have a great week and join Craig tomorrow. Good night. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.